0: Most of the headlines will rightly relate to the Prime Minister's Shangri-La keynote speech last night about our approach to the region, but today he lands in Vietnam, with his visit marking the 50th anniversary of diplomatic ties between the two countries, and this month, back in 1973, saw the last of our troops finally leaving Vietnam after the war. Much has changed in both countries since then. For a start, trade between us has boomed $16 billion last year, up from $6 billion in 2014. And just to prove that warfare doesn't close all doors, Australia is one of the few nations to be granted an annual leaders' meeting in Vietnam. So Mr Albanese will meet most of the key people politically and commercially with cooperation around climate, energy, the environment, work rights in Australia and flights, more of them on the agenda. For a taste of what will meet him, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Huang Li Tu, a fellow at the Centre for Strategic and International Studies, and war historian Matt McLaughlin, who takes tours there regularly. Hello there.
1: Thank you, good Geraldine. You. Uh,
0: Huang, what are we expecting from this PM's uh, visit to Vietnam? Um, what does each side want out of it?
2: I think it's really good that uh, PM is making a trip to Vietnam fairly early on. Uh, it's been a year since he's in, been in office, but um, that's still considered uh, early on uh, compared to the previous governments. Uh, so I think it's good to keep up the momentum because Vietnam and Australia are uh, really in, in uh, have this good momentum going on in the bilateral relations. Good to reiterate that the Labour government is very serious about Southeast Asia and Vietnam in particular. And and it is leading towards an upgrade of the bilateral relations. Uh, so we hopefully we will see soon enough uh, upgrade to a, a comprehensive strategic partnerships. And, it, you know, of course, the personal connection with the leadership in Vietnam. So, In all, it's marking the 50th anniversary, but also um, more marking towards the future and and closer engagement in many aspects of relationships.
0: Yes, the very active Vietnamese ambassador, Nguyen Tát Thanh, whom I heard last year, very entertaining and and engaging man, I must say. In effect, he gave this um, specific interview to the Financial Review. In Vietnam, we are trying to boost awareness of Australia. And he said that Australian investment in Vietnam Vietnam he felt was underdone and he urged superannuation funds to visit and explore opportunities. Would you agree with his assessment?
2: I think uh, the investment, certainly there is a huge room uh, to grow for Australian businesses to get more interested in Vietnam. And I think there is some recognition of that by, the, for example, government's appointment of this new special envoy to Southeast Asia, uh, Nicholas Moore, that's ex- exactly to explore that. With Vietnam, um, I think Australian businesses earlier on, when the country is opening uh, up, it was, uh, Australia was quite active and and early. Early in the market, but then in, in some way it dropped the ball. And comparative to other economies uh, in the neighbourhood, Australia's investment and economic presence has not been really uh, at the top in the recent decades. Uh, but I would also stress that uh, Vietnam is, is uh, uh, an attractive market. It is a crowded space, so there there is a lot of work for Vietnam uh, for Australian uh, businesses to to do to catch up and get competitive in in the market. So can I just
0: interrupt you? So there are risks and rewards by the sound of you and you've got to be be quite strategic in in our thinking, is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, Australia is probably not able to compete, uh, you know, by dollar value with a other larger East Asian economies in the region, but it can go into very strategic sectors such as energy um, or even uh, architect and technology and digital uh, space as well. So there are few uh, sectors uh, where Australian um, businesses might be particularly attractive and and, uh, renewable energy is certainly one Mm. of them. Uh, Let
0: me bring Matt in. I mean, Matt, you take tours uh, to um, Vietnam, to the battlefield. Uh, what about tourism? Has it fu- reached its potential or not?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it has, Geraldine. And as, as Huang pointed out there, it's... Uh it's a fascinating um, era for Vietnam at the moment. When we look back historically at where we were only 50 years ago, and uh, and and to see how prosperous it's become since then, and and the steps it's taken in the world stage, um, I think there's there is more to do in in terms of tourism. From a tourism operator, we are always looking for opportunities to work more closely uh, with Vietnam, but there still are some um, difficulties in probably doing the level of tourism we would like uh, in Vietnam. Why? Uh, but that's not to say there's certainly not, uh, you know, not a lot of attractive features of Vietnam that make it very attractive for tourism.
0: Why, why, why are the difficulties
1: I think I'm speaking mostly from my own perspective here, to do with military tourism and and, and touring relating to the Vietnam War. As it's mm. obviously a highly political uh, topic, it's a very sensitive topic that we all have to be aware of. And in many ways, the we American are...
0: War, as they call it,
1: the American War. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to distinguish from the French War that mm. was also fought in Vietnam. So these are the th- we have to understand the history of what has gone on in Vietnam, um, both from a tourism perspective. But I think in in our relationship with the country, because it's a, it's quite a unique situation that it wasn't 50 years is not that long ago that we were fighting on their soil. Um, and it's quite remarkable now that uh, even in the field of military tourism that we're allowed by the, by the Vietnamese people and we're cur- encouraged by the Vietnamese people to come back with veterans mm. and to walk the ground and, and tell these stories.
0: But there's so much that they appear to want to forget about the war, if I can, <laughs> speaking from my experience of it. Um, and, you know, they seem to be relentlessly future-focused and not necessarily wishing to dwell upon that past.
1: It's an interesting dichotomy with the, the the relationship between Vietnam and the war because obviously they were victorious in that war and that led to the, the Vietnam that we see today. But we should also remember that Vietnam has an incredibly young population mm. and I, I think it's something like 50% of the population wasn't alive during the Vietnam War. So for those people, although there is a historic understanding of what the war meant and they might speak to their parents or grandparents about what it meant to be involved in the war, there's no direct daily connection with that history. So it is a fascinating place to go when there is so much, there's so many reminders of the war, there's so much still to see from the war. If you want to seek the history out, it's not hard to find. But at the same time, you're right, the country is, is, is future-focused and is driving forward very quickly and leaving those shadows of the Vietnam War a long way in the background.
0: But, but, very quick, but they welcome us, do they? You know, you, you don't find any hostility from uh, Vietnamese to Australians who do visit?
1: Not at all. It's the exact opposite. In fact, one of the most rewarding aspects of going to Vietnam is seeing the interactions between former enemies. And I've been there on the ground with veterans um, when North Vietnamese veterans have been in the same space and there's always a respect for each other. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite a moving thing to witness when uh, you know all of these men are getting on now, and then their mm-hmm. age, and they come up shaking hands and 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 sharing stories together. So it's it's one of the fascinating destinations that we visit simply because of that ability for former enemies to come together.
2: Yeah, and I would add that Australians are, for some reasons, one of the most liked uh, nationalities in Vietnam. I think not only people, but everything that has Australia brand on it is very much. Welcome and liked in in Vietnam and and therefore uh, again my argument that the Australian brand is, has an upper hand and advantage in that so um, so businesses should make uh, the most of it because whether it comes to you know education uh, or uh, you know Australian agricultural produce anything from Australia uh, has first of all trust but also like a likeability so there is a lot of warmth in uh, among people to Australians Australian brand. But also that uh, means that the, the momentum and uh, impetus for the bilateral, strategic and diplomatic talks are, are very keen as well. Uh, Let's
0: talk about some bigger geopolitical issues because... Um, The invasion of Ukraine left Vietnam in a bit of a tight spot, didn't it? Arguably the most difficult uh, of all the Southeast Asian countries because it's one of the US's closest strategic partners in the region, but it also has deep historic and military ties with the Kremlin. How would you assess their managing this, Wong?
2: Yeah, the closeness to the U.S. is also quite um, a sensitive balance. Uh, it obviously is not as close in comparison to, for example, Singapore or other even other treaty allies, but there is also an important momentum happening there. Well, I think for Vietnam, it, it tries to disassociate um, re- good relationship with one power and uh, affecting their decision or their uh, Thinking of others. Mm. So they want to keep independent judgment. Uh, with Russia is a special case, as you mentioned, because long standing re- relations, but also they're quite um, reliant on uh, Russia's defence supply uh, and equipment. So it does put Vietnam in a very um, difficult spot, uh, given that they have also very good relationship with Ukraine itself. Uh, so Vietnam needs, wants to disassociate and be as neutral as they um, announced, uh, along with other ASEAN countries as well, uh, and not taking side and not uh, overtly supporting or condemning anyone and keeping good relationship with, with both uh, in the real possible so uh, when they keep uh, for example diplomatic uh, meetings and relations with russia they also provide uh, you know substantial support for ukraine in the private capacity uh, and uh, other ways so uh, it is a hot a spot it is not necessarily um, an easy diplomatic dance to be made there but vietnam is trying to keep that shield of of neutrality.
0: Well, that's only one of its challenges. Uh, The challenge with China is, of course, legendary with um, China and Vietnam. But in the very modern sense, uh, just last week, Vietnam asked the Chinese to remove a research ship, a Chinese research ship. And um, I'm reading uh, from reports, five escort vessels, which were in disputed waters in the South China Sea, Operating in in an area that Vietnam claims is its exclusive economic zone, now it's pretty clear from some of the statements that Vietnam would be quite happy to have someone like Australia say support them in this call for the Chinese vessels to leave. This is pretty delicate, isn't it, um, Huang?
2: It's um, relentless. Again, Vietnam is facing another episode of Chinese coercion, uh, especially in the maritime domain. This is nothing particularly new. This has happened before. And uh, every time Vietnam raises the voice and concern, um, makes it to international media and asks for diplomatic support of partners and allies. But uh, this situation um, is not Um, really new uh, to Vietnam. It keeps a good relationship with China to the extent possible. So, for example, when uh, President Xi Jinping uh, renewed his term, the Secretary General of the Vietnamese Communist Party, Nguyen Phu Trang, visited as the first foreign leader to congratulate and that made, you know, a good Mm. positive episode of bilateral relationship. But at the same time, the dispute um, and, and struggles on the territorial dispute in the maritime domain is not going to stop. So it's it's a dance, you know, it's one step forward, two steps backwards. Is something that is repetitive in a pattern for Vietnam and China interaction. And each time, um, but it is important for Vietnam to be each time asking for international attention. Well, as I, well just, as I just
0: wonder whether, in fact, um, our Prime Minister will be asked to say something publicly on the weekend in these very high level meetings. Uh, Scott Morrison did when he went there, I think in 2019.
2: I think the expectation would be uh, so, an expectation I think uh, would be of Australia's expressing again support for the for UN's United Nations uh, uh, Law of the Sea from 1982, uh, respect for the sovereign rights, and you know, reject coercion as a method of international engagement. Uh, I'm sure there will be uh, expectation from Vietnam for Australia to be supportive, but also um, more than than just a diplomatic statement I think the long-standing values as well is uh, Australian support in capacity building and training and other forms of engagement um, uh, not only to uh, the security but also coast guards uh, in in the region and oh. Vietnam in particular.
0: To, to, to participate in that that's what you're saying are you?
2: In, uh trainings, whether it is, uh, uh, you know, exercises, but also English language training for the, for the uh, Vietnamese officials is already uh, a form of support okay. there. So And it's highly in demand as well.
0: I might give final word to Matt. What's the sort of um, the biggest myth that you think Australians carry about Vietnam, given that this is this, this 50th anniversary of the withdrawal of troops? What have you learned about the place that, in a sense, has surprised you?
1: Well, it's not so much a myth, but the, the way the, the, the war has been reframed in Vietnam I think is really important because I think because of the relationship with Australia, and as Huang said, it's a very strong relationship, it's enabled the Vietnamese to reframe Australia's involvement a little bit as we were just there as a, as a sort of a sidekick to America, and I think that's really important to the Vietnamese people, and it it, uh, it it speaks a lot to the Vietnamese people about Australia's involvement, and it enables us to move forward in a way that uh, that, that sort of shakes off the shackles of the Vietnamese. War, So I think from an Australian perspective, the greatest surprise when they go to Vietnam is that fact that the Vietnamese people are not in any way hostile to them or, or have any issues with the fact that we were there during the war. So I think it's, a, it's an interesting narrative. It's not necessarily... Uh, completely uh, in line with the history, Uh, but I think it's an important narrative Mm. to enable people to move on. So uh, I would say that's the greatest surprise for people is just the reception, the very warm reception that Australians receive in Vietnam, even when they're there specifically to talk about the Vietnam War. Mm.
0: And there's always the baguettes as well.
1: (laughs) Sorry, just to (laughs) be
0: completely shallow about things. (laughs) Uh, Hong Le Tu and Matt McLaughlin, thank you very much indeed.
1: Thank you, Geraldine. Thank you.